Hi, I'm Emily Lex, and I wrote and illustrated Twirl. I'm Esau McCauley, and I wrote Josie Johnson's Hair and the Holy Spirit. My name is Sally Lloyd-Jones. I'm a children's book writer. I've written many books for children, and the latest one is called Little One, We Knew You'd Come, illustrated by Eve Farlett. I'm Laura Whistler, and I wrote Anytime, Anyplace, Any Prayer, a true story of how you can talk with God. Hey, I'm Annie Updowns. I'm the author of a couple of kids' books, most recently, 100 Days to Brave for Kids, and my picture book, What Sounds Fun to You. Hi, my name is Gina Holiday, and I wrote A Spoonful of Faith. Hey, friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a friend to join me, and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Hey friends, welcome to the happy hour. I am so glad you're here. We have a fun show today and it is a different show. So we're trying something a little bit different by mixing up some of our shows. Some of you have said, I really love what you guys are doing with giving us different formats. And so thank you for that if you're loving it. But I don't know if you knew, but last Saturday was um, what should like, I don't know how they call it, National Children's Book Day. You know how there's a day for everything. There's like Cheesecake Day and Hot Dog Day. Well, it was Children's Book Day, and what's so exciting is today, their whole show is about children's books. The reason this is so fun and exciting to us is that I don't know if you know this, but last October, I released a children's book. It's called God Made You to Be You, and so far, I've gotten to do a lot of amazing, incredible things in my career, and writing that book and releasing that book and talking about that book and sharing that book with the world has been one of the most fun things I've ever gotten to do. I wrote that book, God Made You to Be You, with a co-writer. I wrote it with a, a lady named Tama Fortner, who's amazing. And the book was kind of born out of the book I wrote for, I guess, grownups called You Be You. Uh, in this book, God Made You to Be You, sorry if that's confusing, hang around. In the book, the main character is Sammy, and Sammy is a cactus. And Sammy starts to feel that because he's different than his other friends, and he can't do the same things that they can do, that he's not as useful and that he's less than. And it is a fun journey on this book that by the end, Sammy realizes that God made him to be just the way he is. And the cool thing is, is that kids learn that about themselves as they read this book. So because I knew how much fun it was writing a book and because I loved talking about that book and because so many of you either have young kids in your life or you know young kids or you're a teacher or a nanny, whatever it is, I wanted to talk to other friends of mine that have also written kids books. Most of these people have been on the show before, so you might recognize their voices or their story, but I hope that you love this so much because we see so much value in kids' books that I hope you see it as well. Now, we're going to try to make this as easy as possible for you, but listen close because we're going to go back and forth between all the guests, but we're going to help you stay on track. Just know this episode is a little bit different, but it is just as good and the whole thing will be so encouraging to you. So are you guys ready to get started? Okay, first up, I wanted to know from each of these authors, just tell me, why'd you write this book? I wrote A Spoonful of Faith to show families and children how small steps of faith can help us overcome anything. I wrote Josie Johnson's Hair and the Holy Spirit because I wanted to, first of all, I wrote it for my daughters. I wanted them to see that God had made them um, Black and beautiful and different on purpose. And different is probably not even the best word. I would say that God made them 
black on purpose. And so I think that in a lot of ways, there's these particular standards of beauty that become normative in the culture through repeated um, who's in the television shows, who's in the videos, who's on YouTube. And I wanted them to say, no, God made them the way that he made them on purpose and that the way that he made them is good. And in particular, I wanted to emphasize um, hair because to be honest, that's just during the, the book was written during the pandemic. And during the pandemic, uh, my wife was deployed. So I would take my daughter um, to a beauty shop to get her hair braided. And that was a lot of the places where we um, we would talk about issues like this. And I think that a lot of um, black parents, and I, and I call them like a, parents of black children, um, do what I call like trauma checks. In other words, you just ask kids questions and you, can, you don't want to like ask them in a deep way, you kind of go, does anyone ever talk about your hair or does anyone ever say anything about your skin? And you're always checking because you know the ways which the, the culture will subtly kind of distort who they are. And so I was just doing one of those things with, with my daughter. I said, you know what? I want to be able to write something about this to hopefully not just encourage her, but to encourage young black girls everywhere. Well, I wrote this book uh, because my nieces and well, my first nephew was being born and the longing and the wonder and the excitement that took over the entire family, my parents, my sisters, we're all so excited. And that just spoke to me. And I just thought, we're so excited for this baby to come. And I just thought, oh, I'd love to write about that. And the, and the phrase little one we knew you'd come was playing around in my head. So I was really inspired by the coming of my nieces and nephews. I wrote Twirl for a lot of different reasons, um, mostly because it's just been a lifelong dream. I have loved children's books and especially the illustrations for forever. I never expected that I would be able to illustrate a book. And so when I had the opportunity to write Twirl, to also illustrate it was an absolute dream come true. I wrote Anytime, Anyplace, Any Prayer because I really wanted to explore a biblical theology of prayer for both parents and caregivers. And I was just enamored with this idea that it was one day I kind of woke up and realized, you know, Adam and Eve, they prayed in the Garden of Eden. They talked with God because prayer is so simple. It's just simply talking with God. And so it dawned on me that, well, then the disciples would have prayed with God when they spoke with Jesus and they would have spoken to him face to face. And then in Revelation, we see that we're going to spend eternity talking with God. We're going to be spend eternity in some sort of prayer. And that was something that just really struck me as really beautiful. And so I wanted to look at prayer at how it has changed all throughout the biblical narrative and seeing what gifts we have on this side of the cross, how we have the spirit to help us, but also just show children and parents how beautiful prayer is, what a gift it is. And the fact that like, this is something that they are joining with people who have done this for millennia. And it's something that um, it's not just them praying. It's something they can join in with saints that have done it for a long time. And it's an amazing practice that we have as Christians. So I wrote What Sounds Fun to You because I was listening to people answer that question. I was listening to grownups answer that question. There was always this weird amount of shame around it. Like, well, this sounds fun to me, but you may not think it's fun. Or I don't know if it's okay, but I think this is fun. And I realized that there's this weird embedded shame about talking about what sounds fun to us. And it's a forgetfulness in our adult lives that God made us on purpose. And so I wanted to write a book to kids that said, hey, what sounds fun to you really matters. It can be really unique from what sounds fun to your friends, because then we can put in kids the way God made you on purpose matters today and let that grow with them as they grow up.
Isn't it fun hearing why books were written? It gives you a little behind the scenes look into the process of writing for some of these authors. I remember when I was writing and releasing You Be You, I kept thinking how badly I wanted that message of, hey, you're good and you're useful just the way God made you and the message that different isn't bad. I was writing that for adults, but I wanted this to be something that we could talk about with kids. And that's why I wrote God Made You to Be You. You know, as authors, we're usually thinking about the end game from our books. We think about what we want kids and parents to know when they are done reading these books. Here's what my friend said they wanted adults and kids to know when they finished these books. I wrote Twirl. You know what? The main character's name is Audrey, which is the name of my daughter. So I certainly wrote it for little girls, like my little Audrey girl. But I actually think who I wrote this for is the mamas who get to read it to their daughters. Because I just think, I mean, I wrote it for me. Like I wrote it for just all the women who have comparison as a thing that just happens in our lives. And um, the ways that we can encourage our little girls to maybe do better than we did. While reading A Spoonful of Faith, I would love for kids and parents to uh, realize the power of God's love and how it can give us the courage to have faith and overcome um, even the smallest things like starting a new day at school um, or the really big things in our life that we have to overcome. One of the things that the book is trying to try to articulate is that different doesn't mean worse, it just means different. And so um, that God created us differently because God loves diversity. And so it's, it, it's a book primarily for like, you know, young black girls and hopefully their fathers and their mothers. But it's actually for any kid who wants to understand, like, why does God make people who look different? And that's what I was trying to get at. I feel, you know, I had no idea what I was doing when, in many ways when I was writing the Jesus Storybook Bible. And I'm sure many people can say that's true of anything they've done. But what was the, what's been a great discovery is that God, I knew I was writing for children. What I didn't know was I was writing for the child and the adult. And that's what has been so much, you know, God does immeasurably more than we can ask and think. And also the truth is we're all children of God, however old we are. And so the lyrical words that you can use in a picture book, which is basically the Jesus Storybook Bible is just a very, very long picture book because I'm using very lyrical language and you've got the illustrations. And I think it has a way of reaching the adult without their defenses up because it's a picture book. So, you know, adults are just reading it and it's just for children. And I think then they're more open. Adults are more open because the language of God to his children is the language of love, isn't it? Of a father for a child. Suddenly the grown up thinks, oh, this is for me too. Um, when you read the story in Twirl, I hope that you understand that God created you so perfectly and wonderfully just the way that you are and so that you can move through the world celebrating everyone else for all of the unique amazingness of them, but also really learning to appreciate, to understand who God made you to be and that you can do it confidently and joyfully. I hope kids of all ages will pick up any time, any place, any prayer. Um, it's such a joy to me. My own children are ages four, seven, and nine. And it's been so fun to read every single draft with them and just to show them all the iterations. And so I'm hopeful that it will be 
any child or even any parent that really is excited to learn about prayer or has questions about prayer, or maybe even feels a little bit nervous to pray and feels like they're not quite sure how it works. I'm hopeful that this book will really give them an insight into what it is, how simple it is, and how it's something that they can really pursue anytime, any place that they are, and that they can tell God anything. Um, that is, that is the, 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 to me, the best children's um, movies and the best children's books right at both levels. And so what I, what I hope Josie Johnson's hand, the Holy Spirit does is teaches parents how to talk to their children about diversity. So it isn't just teaching the kids about diversity. I want the, I want the parents, there's a scene where I talk about, um, the different peoples of the world as God's like great works of art in a museum. And so the, the different peoples of the world are God's different works of art. And so I'm hoping to give parents language to talk about it because it is just natural for kids. People say that um, like kids have to talk, have to be taught how to be cruel, but they're naturally nice. I've seen the opposite. <laughs> so like kids have an instinctive desire to rank difference. Like this is different. It's not what I'm used to. This is weird. This is bad. A lot of kids, even if it's not malice, they just notice difference and they're articulated. And they don't understand how that could hurt the person who is different. And so I'm trying to teach parents how to talk to their kids about diversity. And I hope that Josie Johnson's hand and the Holy Spirit allows them to do that. Oh my gosh, I love all of these friends. But when Sally Lloyd-Jones said that she was writing for the child and the adult, Oh, wasn't that just fabulous? I'm such a fan of Sally Lloyd-Jones. And listen, if you have never read the Jesus Storybook Bible, stop right now. Just push pause on this podcast, head over to wherever you buy books and go get that book for the little kids in your life. And actually, who am I kidding? Get it for you. Like, get it for you. I've used that book on a stage before when teaching and it's just, it's brilliantly written and it really is. It's writing for the child and the adult. So many of you that are listening have children and a lot of us are people who have kids in our lives. So I wanted to ask them, why do you think it's important for kids to have books in their lives? I think books really matter in kids' lives. When you think about the homes people are growing up in, people are growing up in all sorts of different kinds of homes. People are growing up in all sorts of different socioeconomic levels, all sorts of different homes that are different than their neighbors based on the race of their parents, the jobs of their parents, the history of their parents. And there are some homes that our friends grow up in where they don't know they're allowed to dream, where they don't know jobs outside of what their family does, where the only intake that they may have is television. Right. And and so what books get to do and what they did for me and what they do for so many of my grown up friends. And it still is true is it gets to be a place of escape. It gets to be a place where you get to dream of something you didn't realize before. And and so the, I think it's incredibly important. I mean, we can talk about all the reasons, the educational reasons of like kids need to be exposed to bigger words. Kids need to be around content and, and concepts that they aren't going to run into alone. But if we know anything from the last couple of years where so many of our friends were homeschooling their children, that we need books that that invite kids to deeper words and deeper thoughts. And so that matters to me when I'm writing kids' books and when I am reading them, is I want books that not only expose my mini BFFs, as I call them, to, to other concepts and other words, but to bigger dreams. I can't imagine a better audience, truthfully, because they're so open um, and they will go with you anywhere. And I just love the fact that 
it's such an honor really to so that's it's two things that's makes them really great readers but it also makes my job a huge responsibility because you know you have influence with the young in a way that you don't with the with the old and so from my from my perspective it calls for the, the top you have to be really good you have to be good for writing for adults but the responsibility of writing for children is so huge we should make sure that we're giving them the best work you know honestly for me kids books were a way for me to dream and see um, different worlds and different um, just ways of living kind of expand my imagination and I think that's the importance of children's books they get us dreaming and hoping and believing for something even you know better in our world today and what could become children's books are just so sweet and simple and pure and a way to help kids like to teach them something without actually teaching them and so i just love and or just to like entertain them in such a pure and beautiful way so for sure i mean i love that we can just put a little nugget of truth as they're going to bed and then their little souls can just like sleep on it i i love that i love it It is such a responsibility to write any kind of book. I mean, no matter what kind of book you're writing, you have a responsibility, but especially for these kids. And I love hearing the authors say that because when you write kids books, you have very few words to work with. And just to think that some of those words could change lives, what an opportunity. I love how Annie talks about how children's books get to be an escape for so many of children. I wanted to find out from my friend, Gina, why it was important for her to portray women and children of color in her books. It was really important for me with Spoonful of Faith to portray um, a mom and a daughter having a close connection and a loving connection. I think a lot of times as a Black woman, um, even just seeing Black families in media, they're not portrayed in a loving, caring way. Um, I wanted to make this as like something that would anyone could connect to this connection between these, you know, this mom and her daughter. Um, And I don't know, I think like the fact of us being, you know, that both the mom and the daughter being black was, was super important, but there was just a loving, like endearing, calming um, connection or like, I don't know, illustration, you know, with, with what I created. And I hope that just carries along to any family um, but that that honestly, Black women, Black parents, Black moms see themselves in this story. That connection is so beautiful in her book. And I think all families desire just that kind of connection that she's speaking about. You know, I found that most of us remember favorite books as kids. We remember the places we laid in our childhood homes when we read it. We remember the vacation we started and finished a book in a day. For those of us that are parents, we always have those favorite books we would read to our kids over and over and over again. Or maybe you used to nanny for a family or you're the auntie or the uncle that reads all the books to the kids. You remember them. I remember Caps for Sale was a favorite at our house when my kids were little. And I never, and I mean never, did I read the children's storybook Bible to them without crying. Well, here's what our friends remember about their favorite children's books. I was really into like the Junie B. Jones series. I like... She was awesome. Um, another one that came to mind as I was thinking about this is um, any like Tommy DePaula 
uh, books. I really loved his illustration work. And I, it's funny being an illustrator now, I didn't know I was going to be an illustrator. But when I was a kid, I was really always drawn to, you know, how different illustrators drew. Um, and then another one um, is like the Madeline series. And I think it's because I was kind of into like the kids that would, you know, adventure and like kind of get into trouble and, and do things that were, you know, out of the norm. So those are some of my favorites growing up. I didn't grow up in the kind of context where my mom was able to read to me. Um, she was a single mom who raised the four of us. And she actually, interestingly enough, worked nights. Um, and she would often um, come home when we were asleep. And so I don't actually have that picture of doing it with my mom, but I do remember um, reading, um, interestingly enough, because it doesn't rhyme. I do remember, my book doesn't rhyme. I, I used to love to read Dr. Seuss with my children. Um, and then, uh, and Winnie the Pooh. And so those are two stories that I remember in particular reading with my kids. Oh, I'm Sally Lloyd Jones, and I can have two favorite books from when I was a child. So one of them was Edward Lear's The Complete Nonsense because I had no idea you could have fun inside books. I thought because I wasn't really, I was a bit of a dreamer and I wasn't excelling at all the things you're supposed to excel at when you're eight or nine. I was, I was good at writing stories, but that didn't seem to be one of the things that you were supposed to excel at. And I, I read this book, so I thought books were about showing me how I wasn't very clever. I open up this book and it's filled with limericks and very silly drawings and very, very silly limericks. And I just, it was a revelation because I didn't know you could have fun inside books. And that's kind of where I ended up. I'm still having fun inside books. But the other book would be, um, you know, The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe. That really, I, I, before I knew I couldn't do everything, I was directing a play, I was uh, choreographing the dance, I was acting in it, starring in it. So that was really fun. My mom used to read us Blueberries for Sal. And do you know that book? I don't oh. know that. I know Caps for oh, and Sale. Oh, we loved Caps for Sale and the um, Bremington Musicians or something like that. But Caps for Sale and Blueberries for Sale, they were kind of the same because my mom had little voices that she would do, you know, or Caps for Sale. I could just, I can hear her right now saying it. So I loved both of those. And the Jolly Postman, which came out a little bit later, but I still loved that. Um, I literally have like a bookshelf in front of me full of children's books. I just continually buy them. I love them. What did you love reading to your kids? Uh, probably one of our favorite books was Tumble Bumble, which is a little board book. And it is a book that I still give to my friends who are having babies. They've never heard of it. It was written in the like, late 90s, <laughs> but it's so cute. <laughs> so Tumble Bumble was our favorite. So my favorite book from my childhood is actually kind of a silly book called Tacky the Penguin. Have you heard of that book? Oh, I've never, no, I've never heard about Tacky the Penguin. Oh my goodness, it's such a, it's, it's such a silly book. And the reason I loved it is because there's like this penguin that's really eccentric and he's kind of different and he's hanging out with all the perfect penguins on this perfect iceberg. And they all kind of realize how he's kind of odd and they, they don't really like how odd he is. But then one day these hunters come and they're trying to catch the pretty penguins, but instead they meet Tacky, this odd eccentric penguin. And they're like, this cannot be the land of the pretty penguins. And so the hunters run away. He scares them off with this crazy singing and his Hawaiian shirt and all this fun stuff. And the, the pretty penguins end up learning to realize they should accept Tacky because, you know, differences are beautiful and wonderful. And, you know, my first grade teacher gave it to me when I kind of, I don't know, passed some reading level. And it is a book I still have that original copy and have read to my kids. And it's so fun. So... 
when I was teaching elementary school, I taught fourth and fifth grade. So we did use some picture books in the classroom, but we also read a lot of chapter books. And one of the cool things you can do with picture books is you use picture books to teach kids how to write really well. Right. So I loved doing Dr. Seuss books. I loved reading um, a lot of the picture books. There is one about the moon being made of cheese that my kids and I always found hilarious. But I also loved reading them chapter books like I tried with both of my fourth and fifth grade classrooms. I taught five years. So I taught five classrooms with the kids. I tried to get through as many of the C.S. Lewis Chronicles and Narnia as possible because it was able to impart a conversation with kids that I wasn't really legally allowed to have as a public school teacher, right? I got to have a um, faith-based classroom in a public school environment. And so being able to read books like that is incredible. If you don't know it, guys, I'm a Texas girl through and through. I've lived here most of my life. I was born here and I love traveling. Here's why I love traveling throughout Texas, because it has a vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations and activities, which means there's an infinite number of different travel experiences. And no two travelers are exactly alike. And it means that no two trips should be either. If you're a beach person, well, you can have fun under the sun with Texas's 350 miles of coastline. If you're more of a rugged vacation type, there are campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. And foodies cannot get enough of Texas's world-famous barbecue and Tex-Mex. Enjoy live music, visit internationally recognized art museums, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. And now, Travel Texas offers a one-of-a-kind online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom, visually-led trip matched to their unique interest. Guys, come visit my state. Visit TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn. I love how they all mention this imagination that books spurred on in their own lives. I also wanted to know from our friends here, which was harder to write, a kid's book or an adult book? I'll tell you my personal answer after we hear from them. It was the hardest thing to write about writing Josie Johnson's hand and the Holy Spirit was trying to simplify it. And so, you you know, you have, I think, a thousand words. Um, you know, I can't clear my throat in a thousand words. And so <laughs> brevity of exp expression, um, brevity, sentence, making the sentence shorter, but also to give an entire narrative with the beginning and middle and an end. And so I think it was it was really it was really difficult, but it was also very rewarding. There is something that is hard to articulate about, and I can't wait to do it. Interestingly enough, um, they're going to bring me, the, I'm, I'm getting the books today. The first copy is coming in today. But there's something about this idea of sitting down with the book and reading it with my daughters. Uh. Believe it or not, my, my seven-year-old, my five-year-old daughter and my 11-year-old daughter did not read Reading While Black. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise. Surprise. Yeah. And so um, I have this real, I, like, I can't wait to just open it up and read it with them. And I have this vision or this picture of parents reading it mm. with their children. And Because I just remember how important it was for me to find good books for my kids um, and books that didn't bore me as the parent. Um, so you're not reading this book and thinking this is horribly written. <laughs> and so I'm looking forward to um, both reading it for myself and having um, other parents read it to their children. And it's, I mean, it's crazy. Writing for kids is so different it's because you have 
to make such an impact with the words you use. Um, so every choice of word is super important um, because you don't have as many to use. And I think that's what some people think, oh, kids' books are short, but it's like, you have to get so much um, into a sentence, you know? So I think that was what was hard about it. For sure, writing my adult book was harder than writing Twirl. It's, I mean, it's longer. It was so much part of like my soul. <laughs> and so it was like therapy writing a book. I loved it. But the children's book was just, I mean, it took a little while for the story to come, but I feel like the Holy Spirit just planted it in me. And so it was just such a cool experience to write it. And then the same thing with illustrating. I thought it was going to be so difficult, but every time I painted something, it like came out and I loved it. So it was, it was so fun. I would say kids. What, what would you say? I would say writing for kids is more yes. fun. That was way more fun. I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> this is so fun. Um, I also had a co-author okay. Okay. on my kids' book. And so I just think that yeah. process was yeah. so fun. I mean, collaboration is the best yes. thing in the world. Um, but it also felt weightier. For I some agree. Reason. You know, recently I did some um, events at some schools for World Read Aloud Day. And so I was able to go in classrooms and read my book aloud. And there was something really beautiful about meeting children and them saying, your book is my favorite book or your book is, um, you know, we read it every night. And I've had a lot of people come up about my trade book and say very kind, wonderful things. And I'm so mm -hmm. grateful. But there was a weight of these little six, seven, eight-year-olds who came up and told me that, that I was like, this, this is heavy. This is big. This is, mm. I felt a greater responsibility and perhaps I don't, I can't, I haven't reconciled whether that's right or wrong quite yet, but just this idea that these children would read these books over and over and over again. Um, there's something about that, that with an adult book, typically people don't reread your book, you know, a hundred times, but, but children do right. that. And so I think there's a, a responsibility there for sure that comes with. And then I found the word count and trying to pack like a, you know, I just tackled prayer, just, you know, a small, small, tiny topic, <laughs> yeah. you know, and that, that did was quite challenging, but it was also really, really fun to kind of say, okay, let's add in pieces here. And there was a lot left on the cutting room floor that I wish I could have included. But, um, I agree with you that I thought it was really fun, but I did find it challenging just because I wanted to make it as theologically accurate as I possibly could, but also really interesting and something that people enjoyed. Mm -hmm. And that just made it, I think more rounds of revisions for me, more help, more assistance needed. Yeah. You know, when you think about which is harder to write to adults or to kids, what I know is true is more people have finished what sounds fun to you than have finished any other book I've ever written because it's 32 pages. But, you know, when you're thinking about talking to kids and knowing you have a limited number of characters and pages you can work with, it, it does have to be a little more refined, surprisingly. It, it's kind of like writing a song. You only have so many so many stanzas and so many options for lyrics. And so it actually ended up being a little bit more challenging to write really well for children than to write really well for adults. I found it really challenging. I'm thankful that I've got the opportunity to do it, but it, it, it's hard. I love how we heard different answers here. But me personally, I think writing for kids is more challenging because of the word count, obviously, but also the weightiness of it. It feels like there's a lot on the line for kids. With adults, you can drag out a concept for a whole chapter. But with writing kids books, you need to get your point across in a few sentences on a level that will not only make sense, but also stick with a child. I am so impressed and proud of all these author friends of mine 
when I was writing the book of mine, I didn't realize how much fun it would be to dream about characters and storyline and all that fun stuff. One of my favorite things for me about my books is the fact that all of my kids, like my four kids in real life, they have cameos in the first few pages of the book. Yes, if you have the book, God Made You to Be You, open it up. Those are my people. I really love that. You'll hear Annie talk about that here too. I asked them all their favorite characters or lines from the book. So I think my favorite part is just um, people were sleeping. We didn't care. <laughs> our, our little one has come. You know, it's just that that line where it's so true, isn't it? When something so wonderful happens, you don't care if people are sleeping. You're going to wake them up because it's such good news. So I think that's my favorite line. Um, Audrey probably is my favorite character. He, uh, let's see, in Twirl, one of my favorite things is there's a little nod to my adult book, which is for, called Freely and Lightly. And so I, there's just this little line that says that she danced and spun and twirled so freely and lightly. And so it, I just love that there's like a connection of those two books. Well, there's this one spot where I love, um, I love this part where we have different characters in the book. There's no, you know, God, I suppose, is the main character that runs throughout the whole book. But there's, it's a great, and he's my favorite one, of course, I feel like. But um, we have no other repeated characters. But one part I love is this line where um, we're talking about prayer and how when you don't know what to pray, you can just go, ah! And there's this just yell in the middle of the book. And I love that part because I feel like that's how so often I have felt, or even my kids, where they're like, I don't know what to pray. I don't know how to talk to God right now. And I love the idea that the Holy Spirit is going to intercede and you can just have a groan. You can just do a yell and the Lord knows exactly what you need. And so it's a fun part where I feel like all the kids tend to laugh, but it's also a really deep truth that is so important for us to take in. So when I think about what sounds fun to you and think about a favorite character or a favorite page, there is a page with a grandmother and a granddaughter and the grandmother has minty green bubble gum and she looks like my grandmother. I mean, it just was all these true memories for me of my childhood. The other thing I love is that most of the kids in the book are kids I really know in real life that were drawn by the illustrator, Jenny Poe. She, I sent her pictures of my friend's kids, the kids I spend my days with and spend life with. And she drew them into the book. So in some ways, every page is my favorite because I see a kid that I know. Our goal when we were creating the illustrations was that every kid, whether they're in a wheelchair, no matter how long their hair is, how short their hair is, if they have a hearing aid or glasses, no matter their skin color, that they will see someone that kind of reminds them of themselves. And so I love that on every page, I see friends that I really know and love. And I see a variety of kids that remind me of the schools I used to teach in and the classrooms I used to be in and the playground that I used to play on. At the end of my book, God Made You to Be You, there's this line that I love. In fact, it's actually the whole last two pages. So I'm just going to give away the ending. Here it is. This is Sammy talking the cactus and he says, yes, I am sticky and stuck. What a great way to be. I'm here for a reason. The Lord planted me. I don't soar or slither. I can't creep or fly. But my friends have now helped me to understand why. We each have a purpose that's easy to see. God made you to be you and me to be me. As I wrote this book, I wanted it to be so clear that God made Sammy the cactus perfect just the way he is. Therefore, I want kids as they read this to know and believe that God made them just as he wants them to be. I asked my friends what they wanted readers to know about God when they finished their book. 
when when kids finish reading Josie Johnson's hand the Holy Spirit I hope that they know that God loves them and that they're not a mistake and that the way that God created them is good and beautiful um, the story the story looks at it uses Pentecost um, that's the reason why it's called Josie Johnson's hair and the Holy Spirit it uses the the um, the season of Pentecost which celebrates the gifts of the Spirit um, and the communication of the gospel to people in different languages. And so I wanted them to get the picture of that. So there is a strong affirmation of God created um, Black girls the way they did on purpose and he called it good. But also that's just one manifestation of God's goodness that everybody is created by God and it's good. So if you're Korean or Japanese or Filipino or Mexican or Brazilian, that whoever, however God made you, that, that part of God's creativity is manifested in different cultures. And I hope that they see themselves as a part of God's creativity. Well, the interesting thing about what sounds fun to you is we don't directly talk about God. It, there's a page about going to church, but as a former elementary school teacher, my hope was that this book would be one that could sit in public school classrooms, that could sit in public public libraries. And so what I hope people know about God when the book is done is a little bit of a sneaky Jesus conversation of like, oh, if this is okay and this is okay, if, if, I, if playing outside on the playground, if it's cool for me to like reading outside, as much as I like swinging outside, as much as I like playing soccer, is it okay that I'm different than my friends? Yes. Am I made different? Yes. And then maybe somehow God will speak to each kid as they read and go like, yeah, I made you on purpose. So that's my hope of what people get about God by the time they're done reading it. Honestly, I just pray that they know that the Lord loves them and wants to talk with them anytime, any place, about anything. I hope that they see that prayer is a huge privilege and it's not this ethereal, um, special thing that they have to get in a special position. They have to, you know, make sure they say the right words, but they realize that the Lord longs to have a conversation with them and to hear what's on their heart and that they can be exactly who they are in that moment with him. And so I just hope that they, they walk away saying, I want to talk to God all the time. I think I want them to really get the sense that even before they were born, there was a plan and that they've come, especially now with all the fear in the world, I want them to know that they're not here by accident. It's a plan and there's a purpose and they we need them here because God sent them and God has a very important thing that only they can do, however that looks. But for children to come away knowing they're here for a purpose and there's a plan and they're a miracle. They're basically a miracle. Oh my gosh, you guys, this episode was so fun. It was so fun for me to get to talk to my friends about the projects that they pour their hearts into, especially when they're for our kids. Listen, we really want you to go out and get all of these books because they're so precious. And if you didn't have time to write them down, if you go to the webpage, you'll be able to find it. It's jamieivy.com slash HH483. That's the number episode this is, episode 483. So it's com slash HH483. Right now, you can also get a stuffed animal doll that is Sammy from my book, along with a t-shirt that has God Made You to Be You on it with the, with the Sammy picture on it. All of those would make great Easter gifts, great baby shower gifts. I personally think they're like the cutest thing you've ever seen. And you can get those over in our store at jamieivy.com slash store. Don't forget, anything you heard there, go to the webpage jamieivy.com slash hh483.
Thank you so much for listening to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivy podcast. We are truly grateful for every single story that we get to share with you, every encouragement we get to give you, and every opportunity we get to point all of us to Jesus. If you're loving this show, we would really appreciate it if you would leave us a rating and or a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, tell your friends. That is the number one way that people find out about our show. It's because you tell them. Join us right here every Wednesday and Friday for meaningful conversations that will make us think, they'll make us laugh, and they'll always point us back to Jesus. And come find me other places on the internet as well. I love Instagram. I'm over there at Jamie Ivy. And if you've never visited my YouTube page, you're going to want to go there. Have you ever listened to a show and wondered, I wonder what they look like? Well, go find us over there. It's jamieivy.com slash YouTube. The Happy Hour is produced by Lindsay Sweeney. Show notes are written by Abigail Castell. Graphics are by Amaya Savoy Easton. The show is edited by Angie Elkins. And I'm your host every week, Jamie Ivey. And goodness gracious, I love being here with you guys. Until next time, have a happy hour with a friend. You guys, in January of 2024, I made a commitment to myself. I wanted to get stronger, which meant I needed to get in the gym, which means I needed to move my body in different ways. You guys know I love to walk. Well, it's spring, and spring is the best time for us to start a new workout routine. It's our yearly collective warm-up, and Peloton is here for everyone's yearly warm-up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm, to tap into your power, and build towards your summer you. I love my Peloton. It accommodates to my schedule with a variety of class links to choose from. I can choose a 30-minute class. I can choose a 45-minute class. If you only have five minutes, there's literally a class to get you moving your body in five minutes. Peloton has a range of class types fit for every goal and every mood. There are classes if you want to hear country music, if you want to hear uh, rock, if you want to go back to the 80s. If you can't run, take a walking class. Need some grounding? Try yoga. If you want to level up, go for their Pilates or HIIT workouts. Here's what I love is that you can move at your own pace. And that is what I'm learning that my body needs right now. It needs to move at its own pace. Peloton makes the process easier with personalized recommendations and guided programs that take all the guesswork out of working out. You guys, we think about so many things during the day. Let's take the guesswork out. Let's jump right in and let's keep our fitness journey fresh every single day. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. I personally love a good 45-minute hip-hop class. It gets me moving. It gets me excited. It's my favorite genre of music, just ask my kids. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. That's OnePeloton.com.